Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you. Good evening, Radio Islam family. For those of you who are tuning in for the first time, this is Radio Islam, and we are broadcasting on WCEV 1450 AM. And we are streaming live at www.wcev1450.com. Now, I'm sure that most of you are on social media. So whether you are on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, you can find us at the same username, same handle. And that is at Radio Islam USA. So take a second, take a moment, and like us, check in with us. And during the course of our broadcast tonight, if there is anything that you hear that you'd like to weigh in on or that you'd like to pose a question to, use our Facebook page. Our Facebook page is open as of right now, and we are monitoring it throughout the broadcast, throughout this hour. We are on from 6 to 7 p.m. And, of course, you know we are coming to you live from the wonderful city, my hometown of Chicago, Illinois. Our phone number, for those of you who'd like to call, is 312-750-1178. That is 312-750-1178. Today's broadcast will be up around the noontime hour tomorrow, inshallah, God willing, with God's permission, on SoundCloud. So if you are a fan of SoundCloud, uh, it's a great place to get your podcast, to follow us also. If you happen to miss an episode, you can go there. And the previous day's episode is up by around noon the next day. And we are at Radio Islam on SoundCloud. Also, I thought I should let you know, I just found this out, that you can also find our podcast on Google Play, Google Play Music. So if you get your podcast there, you can find us there, look up uh, Radio Islam. And we are, our episodes are up uh, the same time that they're up on SoundCloud. Uh, and iTunes as well, you can find them there. So that is all of that good stuff. So good evening. Assalamu alaikum again. Hope that this has been a productive day for you. The day is winding down. So we get to be with you during this drive time or maybe you're on the train or or maybe you're listening to us days later and you are doing something totally different. Might just be sitting around the house. But we hope that you are in good spirits, that you're in good, good, uh, good health. Uh, that your iman, your faith is strong, uh, and that we remember at all times that uh, that God is over everything, right? That Allah is over everything. So let's not get too uh, depressed or uh, disheartened by some of the things, you know, that might come at us. I want to share something with you all. Uh, there's something my grandmother used to tell me just before I, before I mentioned about two really stellar uh, individuals, two giants of the Muslim community in Chicagoland. Uh, my grandmother, uh, who returned to Allah, she passed, it's been about 10 years, I think. No, not quite 10, it's been, I think it's eight years. And she used to say, give me my roses while I can still smell them. Right, she said, give me my roses while I can still smell them. And I thought that that was always such an important thing uh, because, you know, it's important that we recognize the value in those around us while we have the opportunity to do so. And there's also, uh, comes to mind, there's a hadith, a narration of the prophet, peace and praise be upon him, where he says, um, basically says that if you love your brother, tell him. 
and this is not specific to simply your brother, but your sister, your mother, your father, your cousins, right? If you love someone, tell them. Uh, it's important that we take the time to recognize those people who add value, who who Allah, who God has blessed us with, you know, in our lives, who, you know, who add a dimension um, to our lives that we recognize that, you know, our, our lives would not be the same without them. It's important for us to recognize those people. So as my grandmother said, give me my roses while I can still smell them. Uh, and unfortunately, we don't always do that because we are under the assumption that we have we have time, but we know, especially the older you get, the more people you see pass around you, the more people you see leave this life, you realize that it's the other way around, that it's time that has you, and we don't possess time, and we make light of, we make light of that when we think that, you know, I'll, I'll do it tomorrow or I can wait until next week. I'll get to it later. When later may not be, later may not be in the picture for you or for me. So we recently, we recently lost two giants, as I said, in the Muslim community, in the Chicagoland Muslim community. Uh, and I'm sure that there are many who were able to show their appreciation for them and as is always the case, there are others who were not able to, right? And there may be folks who did not know them. But let it be a lesson for us, for those people who are in our lives, who add value to our lives, who we benefit from, that we show our appreciation in the time that is given to us. So that means now and, and not thinking that you'll have later on. Tomorrow you know that is all that is all in in God's plan uh and and in his a part of his decree which none of us know so brother Abdul Hamid Dogar and Dr Zia Hassan uh their janazas which is their funeral prayer the last rites took place yesterday at Islamic Foundation in Villa Park brother Abdul Hamid Dogar he was the founder of Islamic Foundation um, he passed away Sunday night. He, he dedicated his entire life to the Chicago community. He studied civil engineering from Aligarh Muslim University in India before the partition. And he later migrated to the United States in March of 1962 and worked for the Illinois Department of Transportation from 1963 until his retirement in 1991. He was a licensed professional civil and structural engineer he designed I-55 and some of the bridges um, in I-355. So these are well-traveled roads every day that everybody, not just Chicagoans, but anybody coming through the area travel every day and are not aware, nor would they think about, that this is something that this Muslim American was responsible for that he had a that he had a hand that his life's work uh, inshallah will continue to outlive him uh, and this is a testament 
a testament to his to his skill and to his uh, to his ability. So Brother Dogar was a visionary, and he wanted to establish an Islamic educational institution in the Chicago area, and thus laid the foundation for establishing Islamic Foundation Mosque and School. He was a voracious reader and scholar, uh, and he's written multiple Islamic books. And one of his publications is Islam, God's Final Message to Mankind. So as the founding father of Islamic Foundation, Brother Dogar served as its director for over 40 years. 40 years. His legacy lives on in the halls of IFS and all of the hearts that he touched. He is survived by his wife, Mrs. Masuda Dogar, his two sons, his two daughters, and his grandchildren. So we pray that Allah forgive him any errors and grant him a high place in paradise. And we pray for the peace uh, and security of his loved ones. So Dr. Zia Hassan, he came to the United States in the 1950s to pursue a master's degree and PhD from the Illinois Institute of Technology. And he ended up giving 54 years of his dedication to IIT and retired as their dean of the business school. Dr. Hassan was one of the original founders of Islamic Foundation in Villa Park in 1974 and later the addition of the IFS school. He served as the chair of the Islamic Foundation Board of Trustees for 40 years. His brothers gave lifetimes. Dr. Hassan gave his mind and his heart to the Chicagoland community. He was one of the original leaders of the institution. So we also pray that Allah forgive him any shortcomings or errors and multiply the reward for his good. Grant him a high station in paradise. Um, he is, and we pray for his, his wife, Dr. Shaquille Hassan, and his family. And we pray that Allah give them strength, courage, and peace uh, during this time of, of transition uh, and trial. So their genesis were held, as I said, uh, yesterday. And for those who had the uh, benefit of knowing uh, these, these pioneers, we hope that their memories are something that you take with you and you continue to do the work that they set out on, the work that they gave, each of them, 40 years, uh, continue to, to, give the, to give your best efforts to show an appreciation for the work, for the foundation that they laid. So I was wondering, my brother Ibrahim had anything that, that he wanted to, to add, uh, add to it because uh, in my, it seems that I'm, I'm hearing about a janazah just about every week uh, and you know we're losing these are, these are fixtures and foundations of our, of our community so yeah, assalamu alaikum well, thanks for having me um, yeah, it's just really to me the passing of these two brothers of our community, especially Brother Abdul Hamid Dogar. Um, he was a fixture of that community in IFS, which I grew up in when I was little. We used to go to Sunday school there and go to the Juma prayer there. And this was before there was even a lot of uh, places 
to pray in the Chicagoland area. There was just a handful of places. And this was the main place in the suburbs. Um, so I really view it as kind of the end of an era, unfortunately. And I don't mean that in a good way, too. Um, I mean that in a very um, troubled and saddened way. Because a lot of the times when we look at when our generation or people now like our children who look at people who are older than us, we tend to think of them in kind of a negative light or in, you know, they had an archaic way of thinking or whatnot. Um, regardless of what you say about the older generation, they got things done. They built masajid, like they built schools. They established the community in a time um, when there was nothing else there. And now we use those resources and those institutions um, to benefit and to stay Muslims and to flourish as Muslims, alhamdulillah. So we ask Allah to reward them for everything they established. Um, I remember, I have so many memories of Brother Abdul Hamid Dogra. He used to actually give the khutbah every single week. Uh, back before there was like any other imam or anything like that, he used to give the khutbah every week, um, lead the prayer. He was always there. We didn't even realize. I think I remember when people said, oh, you know, Brother Dogu, he actually retired, so now he's going to be there all the time. Well, we were like, <laughs> no, he's already there all the time. <laughs> and right. It didn't make sense to us, you know, because he was just such a fixture there. Yeah. Alhamdulillah. And um, another thing this reminds us of, first of all, of course, that all of us have to return to our Creator, Allah, Azza right? It's inevitable. Um, so we hope to do that in a good state Like inshallah These two brothers did Having a whole um, Index of good deeds and good accomplishments That they did inshallah Purely for the sake of Allah That's the first reminder The second reminder is that When we go into any institution There are We benefit from that institution Whether Islamic or otherwise But we have to remember there are people Who made that institution what it was by Allah's permission, you know? Absolutely. We kind of take it for granted when we go to a masjid or any other organization that, like, you know, and we end up complaining about this or that. Okay, it might be legitimate in some cases, but it's the people who give life to that organization, you know? Yeah. So the people is also something that we need to be thankful to Allah for. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, basically, we make dua, we ask Allah to uh, forgive them for all their shortcomings. And like every human being, they had shortcomings, you know. But we also want to focus on the amazing things that they accomplished right. throughout their lives. And that's what we want to strive for. Right, right. Yeah. Absolutely. So, the, uh, Radio Islam family, this is just a reminder for us, for you, uh, myself first, uh, for us here, then you. Um, it's just a reminder that um, it's like, uh, like Ibrahim uh, he just mentioned, you know, we all have to leave, but let's make sure that we show that we are aware of the blessings that each one of us represents to each other. Let's let's do what we can to recognize that uh, and not wait until that person, until it is their janazah, until it is their, uh, their funeral, their last rite ceremony, where you are thinking to yourself, I never got a chance to. And really, you know what you're saying is, I never took the time to. I never took the time to say, to tell this person that I appreciate them 
and I, and I thank I thank Allah, I thank God for them. So, yeah. And can I say one more yeah, thing? Yeah, go right here. Just about Islamic Foundation mm-hmm. and Villa Park. Uh, I think it's hard for many people nowadays to understand how important this place was in Chicago and throughout the entire Midwest. Mm-hmm. There was a bookstore there, I remember, where people would come from all around the Midwest mm-hmm. just to buy books, Islamic books, because that was the only way they could find them right. back then. There was a Sunday school. I think one of my teachers from Sunday school, he was from Michigan. Mm-hmm. And he used to drive every week from Michigan right. to here to come teach us. Wow. Um, when I go to this place now, and this is way before they had that you know, very beautiful building that they do now. It was just a elementary school structure that they had adapted to be a masjid, basically. Mm-hmm. But even then, it was kind of it was the biggest place around right. because things were just so different then. I get the feeling when I go there now that... People, um, both younger kids and older people who may have come to this country later, mm-hmm. they don't get, they don't understand the importance that this place really had and what it used to be. So, um, because this place was so important, inshallah, we hope that that's all the more good deeds that these two people can uh, take with them when they go to meet their Creator. Absolutely. You, you think about the benefit of building a school. Providing a place for people to be, you know, to be educated, and then for them to go out, that be the the foundation for their uh, their values and, and their actions. You know, you get a portion of, of, of every good deed that they do. You get blessings yes, for absolutely. that. Absolutely, and imagine all the people that have prayed at that school, have, yeah. have learned at that school, and taught other people how to pray. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brother Doger, they were saying even he contributed to the uh, construction of certain highways, I-55, I-355. We hope that even the people who are driving on that highway to go to pray, he gets some of the reward, inshallah. Absolutely. And one other thing I have to mention. As a student of Imam uh, Warafuddin Muhammad, it's it's important to also mention that um, Brother uh, Brother Dogar, he also led his janazah prayer. And there's a story behind that which actually I was not a, really even aware of until just a few hours ago. Uh, so this was the place where where Imam uh, Muhammad's janazah took place. Uh, there's a there's a huge connection that that goes way beyond some of the divisions that we imagine, you know, within the community. Uh, and I also wanted to say to, to a point that you were making about how as we lose as we lose parts of the older generation and we are slowly moving into that position ourselves where we will become the elders, which is a somewhat of a frightening thought. Um, and I'm not going to mention his name, but a, a friend, a brother who I hold in, in really uh, real high esteem, he talked about not being able to fill the shoes of these people. And my response was, well, your feet are still growing. Uh, and that's that. That is the way it has to be, right? We have to fill voids. We have to, and even though it it can seem um, difficult, impossible, unlikely, but we benefit from the example of those who came before us. And if we keep working in a direction that that's been established for us, then I think history shows the community is is meant to move forward. And uh, and we benefit, and they continue to receive blessings because we are trying to build on that on that model. So, so Radio Slime family, it is Tuesday. 
And as usual, our hour is just flying by, so we're just about at our halfway point. If you'd like to give us a call, feel free to do so at 312-750-1178. That's 312-750-1178. Or you can reach us on Facebook. Our page is open. We're going to take a short break, and when we get back, we're going to get into some of the spicier things that are going on today, uh, particularly dealing with some remarks that John uh, Kelly made. So we'll get into that after the break when we come back. Traffic had stopped. Pedestrians were lying on sidewalks and curled up in doorways. There was no sign of violence, no wrecks, nothing like that. It was as if the people in New York had simply decided to stop whatever they were doing and pass out. Ice coated my stomach. The invasion has started. To find out what happens next, read Percy Jackson and the Olympians by Rick Reardon. Explore new worlds and check out more cool books at your local library. And visit read.gov. Brought to you by the Library of Congress and the Ad Council. A boy born in Joplin, Missouri was fascinated by anything with wheels and a motor. The odds of him going on to fascinate millions with his talent, one in 260,000. The odds of him having 15 career NASCAR victories, one in 1.7 million. The odds of a child being diagnosed with autism, one in 88. I'm Jamie McMurray, and my niece has autism. Learn more at autismspeaks.org slash signs. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. Radio Islam, the nation's first daily live call-in talk radio show produced by Muslims for the mainstream market. Radio Islam, on the air since 2004 because of your generosity. Radio Islam salutes its most valuable asset, you, our listener. From our producers to our interns, we appreciate your support. Thank you. Welcome back. Welcome back, Radio Islam family. I'm your host, Tariq el and we are broadcasting on WCEV 1450 AM. And if you're listening to the live stream, you are doing so at www.wcev1450.com. Folks, make sure you take advantage of our site. It is open. Uh, we've mentioned that we are doing some additions, some, up, some upgrades, a little house cleaning on it, but it is still open. That is www.radioislam.com, www.radioislam.com. And you can check out some behind-the-scenes things, uh, articles, bios, guest bios, and pics. Uh, it's a lot of, uh, lot of interesting information there. Um, you know, it's really important... Uh, it's really important that we value the uh, the fact that we have voices in whatever sport, uh, whatever spaces we have voices, uh, and I'm speaking particularly, um, you know, this is Radio Islam, right? So we are Muslim Americans, uh, and as Muslims, we represent a great, diverse, and a, a complex community. 
there are lots of, of faces to it, lots of uh, different uh, thoughts. And as Americans, we are a great and diverse community. So there's a lot of diversity. There's a lot of complexity when you put these two things together. And then when you start adding on the other layers, you know, the other ideas, the other uh, layers of consciousness, you know, when we start talk, talk, talking about ethnicity, you know, you, you throw that in there. And you, we start talking about gender. You put that in there. You know, there's a lot more. The, the layers continue uh, to add and to, to, to shade the way we see the world and the way the world sees us. So why am I saying that? I'm saying that it's important and is a value to have spaces where we can have our viewpoints or viewpoints that, we, that resonate with, with us or viewpoints that take our uh, existence, our sensitivities into, an, into account. I mean, everything that I say or everything that you might hear uh, my brother uh, Ibrahim say is not going to be necessarily reflective of or 100% a hundred percent representation of how you see things. But there should be a comfort that there is a, there's a connection, there's an awareness of, of our presence. So having a voice in the media, having voices in organizations like CLGC, like CARE, and there are numerous chapters around the country, uh, particularly CARE Chicago, which I believe is the uh, it, it, it is the, I think, the standard bearer, in my, my opinion, as far as its advocacy and its leadership and, and the things that it has been able to do. But they all do, uh, they all do great work. But, you know, I'm Chicago, so, you know, I'm, I have a little Chicago bias. But having a voice in these spaces is important. So Radio Slam, it's, it, it is a huge endeavor. It's a huge endeavor, and... What we're working on, we're working on our future being better than the past. And we're grateful that we've been on the air over 10 years. But we're looking to continually improve and to really make the most of the fact that we have this platform. And we want you to, uh, you know, we consistently we look for your support and we look for you to understand the magnitude of what this is because there are not this is the only Radio Islam, right? This is the only live, you know, program that's running seven days a week. Uh, and we've, we've got a lot of Internet uh, radio, uh, and that's great. And we need as many voices as we can, but we're saying what distinguishes us right now. We're in one of the, the third largest market in the country. We're on, you know, uh, we're on WCV 1450 AM. And we're doing this every day, and it's, it is all Muslim um, from, the, from the programming, the, the hosting, and we are proudly and unapologetically Muslim Americans. So we're going to move into, there was some, uh, to, to look at some comments that were made. And before we give our take on this, we want to let you take a listen to some of the remarks that were made by, uh, he's a four-star general. John Kelly, I think he's a, he's a four-star general, but um, took on a position of uh, chief of staff. 
John Kelly, he made some remarks earlier with regard to the Civil War and some of the historic characters, Robert E. Lee and George Washington. So you're going to listen to some of his remarks, and you're going to listen to some of the responses uh, to, uh, to responses to his remarks. And then we're going to talk about it a little bit. So let me give you the number before we play it, our phone number. If you'd like to give us a call, it's uh, 312-750-1178, 312-750-1178. Let's uh, go ahead and uh, cue that up and take a listen. History is history, um, and uh, there's certain things in history that uh, were not so good, and other things that were very, very good. I think I, I think we make a mistake, though, and, and as a society, and certainly as uh, as individuals, when we take what is today accepted as right and wrong, and go back 100, 200, 300 years, uh, or or more. It shows you what, uh, how much of a, of a lack of appreciation of history and what history is. Uh, I would tell you that Robert E. Lee was an honorable man. Uh, he was a man that uh, gave up uh, gave up his country to fight for his state, which in 150 years ago was more important than country. It was always loyalty to state first back in those days. Uh, now we're, it's different today. Uh, but the, the the lack of an ability to compromise. Uh, led to the Civil War. So, he started off on the, uh, well, he's starting off on the wrong foot, first of all. Um, he is making the assumption that he is talking to a, a group of folks who have no idea uh, about history whatsoever. So the compromise that he's talking about well, the compromise had already be, been laid out, and the compromise, well, you know what, I, I'm, I'm not going to get into all of that just yet, because I think the response that he got was so eloquent. Uh, let, let, let's, go to, let's go to the response. So stupid to, uh, to simply go on. Here's a man who is utterly clueless. For him to say that, well, we could have compromised. Really? We did compromise. There was a thing called the United States Constitution. Do you know what that said? If you're a black, you're three-fifths of a human. What he should do is go read Lawrence Goldstone's book, uh, uh, Dark Bargain, where it details the compromises made with the South just to get the Constitution passed. Oh, you want to talk compromise? How about the Hayes-Tilden <laughs> Compromise, which was never written down, called the Great Compromise of 1877 that ended the 12 years of Reconstruction that ushered in Jim Crow when they removed the, uh, the la federal troops from the last three remaining Southern capitals. We could talk about compromise, the fact that we had a Civil Rights Act of 1866 and one in 1875, and we didn't get another one until 1957, which was rather weak. How about compromise? We had three Reconstruction Amendments, the 13th Amendment, the 14th Amendment, 15th Amendment. But you know what? America didn't care about those constitutional amendments because of that 1877 compromise, which led to the Civil Rights Act of 64, and the Voting Rights Act of 65, and the Fair, Has Fair, Has Fair, Has Fair Housing Act of 68. And so I need John Kelly to actually go back and read a history book that my 12-year-old nieces are reading right now, because clearly he fell asleep in history. I don't know if he fell asleep in history, but I'll tell you, my son, who's in the sixth grade, is reading that same history Roland's nieces are. What about Kelly's claim that 150 years ago, states were more important than country, and that he gave up his country to it's fight for the state. state of Virginia? Robert E. Oh, Lee, I'm talking about. Well, 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 guess what, then? I, I want to see General Kelly defend anybody who's at ISIS. 
because you know what they're doing? They're giving up country for their ideology. It's the same exact thing. See, this is how we normalize white supremacy. And how, then they say, well, we don't have an appreciation of history. See, then I love this whole deal about how, well, you know, he was, um, he was an honorable man. Really? There were abolitionists during that particular period who did not believe in slavery. So don't call them men of their time. But maybe General Kelly also didn't read this, which was from Wesley Norris, one of the slaves that he had, where he said that when we ran away, he asked, why do we run away? And we said, because we are free. He ordered us to be beaten, given 50 lashes. And then when one of his overseers wouldn't do it, he said he called Dick Williams, a county constable, who was called in to give us the lashes. And and it was Lee who said, lay it on well, an injunction which he did not fail to heed. Not satisfied with simply lacerating our naked flesh, General Lee then ordered the overseer to thoroughly wash our backs with brine, which was done. You call that honorable? All right, Radio Islam family. Uh, if, you, if you don't know who that was, that was, uh, that was Roland Martin, who is uh, from TV1. And he said everything a whole lot faster, faster than, <laughs> than, than I could have. But what I really appreciate, appreciate about what he said is that he took history outside of this thing that we are not, not able to approach. And um, Ibrahim, you going to get in on this? All right. Well, if something comes to mind, you know, you, you got the mic. But what I appreciate is that he did not allow the idea of history to be this untouchable thing that we cannot talk about or we can't make judgments on because things have changed so much. And he did that in a way by, by, by injecting actors of that time and in the form of the Quakers, which we don't really talk about as much as we should because he speaks about the Quakers. These are, these are white Christians. These are white people. Uh, at that time, who had a moral objection to the existence of, of slavery, uh, who had a moral objection to the treatment of, of the Africans who had been enslaved. It, it was not something that was accepted by, you know, by slavery, by, uh, excuse me, by the American population, uh, you know, at, at large. There were dissenters. And because of that dissension, or as a part of that dissension, there were, you know, we got to the point where we realized that that was, and of course, let's not, let's not take it away from uh, the very real uh, economic interest uh, that played a huge part in this as well. But there were moral objections to the existence of, uh, of slavery uh, at the time. And it, as, it, as it quelled, it came to a head where it was you know, where uh, when the decision was made that slavery was to be ended, that those economic interests outweighed the moral concerns. And because of that, they were willing to, to leave, uh, to, to uh, secede from the Union. So uh, I appreciate that Roland Martin made that argument in that point, um, in those terms, and using, that, uh, using the presence of people who were contemporaries uh, in that time I think that's extremely important because too often history is presented, you know, as, as something that we can't really make judgments on because things have changed. But we see that things really, very little has actually changed. Um, yeah, 
I think that's, I think that's pretty, uh, that's, that's pretty remarkable, uh, the way he framed that. I would add to that, actually, yeah. that what you mentioned about the economic concerns outweighed the kind of moral concerns. That's true for many people, but I also think even in addition to that, there was just pure racism <laughs> that contributed to it. Because if you look at what happened yeah. afterwards during Jim Crow and slavery, it was just already out of the question yeah. as an economic force. But that hatred and that racism and that caste system uh, continued, and people did everything they could to maintain that system of uh, that high, that same racial hierarchy in the South. Um, yeah. The other thing was, yeah, like you said, I agree that uh, Roland Martin actually brought up a good point to General Kelly's uh, objection, which I think even uh, was a legitimate objection, mm-hmm. where he said that, you know, it's unfair to, I don't remember exact words, but basically superimpose our uh, situation onto history that happened many years ago. Um, which is interesting because that's exactly what the right wing uh, and Islamophobes do when they talk about Islam. Um, How so? Because they look at our world today and try to look back into history and go, you know, try to superimpose what's going on today onto history and say, oh, oh look, Islam okay. is wrong. I got you. Right? I got you. Um, so he brought up a valid point, but Roland Martin's answer to this question specifically was, I think, a very intelligent answer because he said, look, I'm not doing that. If we if we would have went on the clip a little bit more, um, he actually says, "No, that's not what I'm doing." He says, "There's people from that time, exactly, abolitionists mm-hmm. who were white and were working against slavery mm-hmm. and who found it as evil, yeah, and so on." So it's a very actually it's a very strong uh, refutation of that idea that General Kelly just brought up. But doesn't his refutation doesn't that really expose that maybe his point was not that well? Uh, not not that well conceived. That mm-hmm. it's logic. We're, we're dealing with when you're dealing with the universal. Universals are not constrained to time, or place, or location. So uh, as as justice or human dignity as, as a universal concept was being violated, you know, throughout mm-hmm. the the trans uh, transatlantic uh, slave trade. And General Kelly's response is, well, that was a different time. Mm-hmm. Which does not really hold much water with me. It doesn't. It doesn't make sense to me. Right. I would say General Kelly. The principle that he brought up in general, yeah, makes sense and it's logical and it's somewhat true. But for this case specifically, mm-hmm. it doesn't apply because of the point that Roman Martin brought up that there were people at that time already mm-hmm. who were working against slavery and calling for slavery to be abolished. So that principle doesn't hold true in this time. You can't apply it like this because there were already people there at that time who were working against it. Yeah, I, I think I think Roland Martin had the benefit of being able to point to those people. But one of those situations where you have the idea of the tyranny of the many, mm-hmm. right? Where you have, um, and this is present, uh, we have plenty of examples of this where uh, throughout Jim Crow South, where families, hundreds, hundreds of people would come out to watch black men lynched, you know, and, and, and mutilated. And they would treat it like it was like they were going to the county fair. You know, they would it, it was a great time. They would take souvenirs. Is there a point where 
you could see somebody trying to use that same logic to say, well, you can't really impose the thinking of today on that time. I would say no, because there was already uh, anti-slavery movements at that time and all around the world. So the people who were engaging that transatlantic slave trade, they were already starting to get outnumbered. And for us as Muslims, obviously, this is also important to point out, mm-hmm. for us as Muslims, we have, the, I guess, the luxury of having a set of moral standards that already tells us that like this transatlantic slave trade that was happening, mm-hmm. we know it was wrong because we have the Quran. And we know these principles. We just can't do that. It was the most uh, horrific chapter in, one of the most horrific chapters in human history. We know that because we have the Quran and we have the Sunnah, right? But for people who are dealing with a blank slate, Still, that logic doesn't apply in this case because of those people in the South who were promoting slavery and racism. Even they were starting to get outnumbered and their voices were starting to be silenced by other people in their own country and all around the world. Well, I think I see it, because I don't want to keep saying the same thing, but I see it it slightly differently. Um, That it's... I guess it depends. It depends on, on what the viewpoint is. Uh, the the absence of uh, or the presence of uh, opposition, or the absence of opposition, does not necessarily mean that a culture or people or behavior mm-hmm. is one that cannot be challenged later on down the line. I think when we look at society today, what we're looking at is, uh, and there was another interview earlier where. Uh, on matter of fact, it was from the same interview that uh, General Kelly was speaking. He was being asked about some of the plaques or statues that were being taken down outside of a church, a historic church that was home to George Washington and Robert E. Lee. And the question was, do you feel like uh, there is because the reason they're taking them down is they're trying to be more inclusive, and the the interviewer can't remember her name. I think it's Nelson or or Ingrid or I, I'll try to find it later. But the point that she made was, do you feel that this effort to be more tolerant is you know it's going to have uh, an effect where basically we're not going to have any any monuments. Right. And she said it in a really flippant, there was a lot of microaggressions in there. Was, you know, it's a lot of bias that that any person uh, who is not of her viewpoint, you know, is going to pick up. What I'm seeing is because the United States has not come to grip with its own history and has not realized that the people who have been harmed, their descendants who have been harmed by that history, have not been dealt with fairly have not you know they've there's never been an, an official apology right so they look back at all of these uh, symbols with disdain so it's, it's very it's very hard to to have a conversation it's a one-sided conversation you know in, in my opinion and that's not something that uh, that I think they that they see or want to see yeah I'm, they don't care yeah that's really bottom line they don't care yeah. So Ibrahim is 
moving towards his microphone. Am I awake? I think he's about to say something. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, I agree. Well, I think it's also worth noting that basically a lot of the um, fervor around this issue that's happening nowadays is a lot of the people that want to preserve these statues and not have them be changed in any way um, is kind of trying to minimize the the harm that was done by slavery um, and by the racism at that time, which is uh, very, yeah, that's wrong. Yeah, yeah. So we're not going to, we won't, we won't beat a dead horse. Uh, but I go back again to this idea that as, uh, as Muslims in particular, we have few spaces where we can uh, address some of the uh, some of the slights that come up. Uh, and then we also have few spaces where these intersecting identities that, that we have, because as I mentioned, you know, we are an extremely diverse community, right? We're an extremely diverse community with uh, a lot of different sensitivities. Uh, there was one other thing that I wanted to mention. Uh, it was, we talked about it in the earlier, in the opening news, that there was a fellow who basically tried to, you know, by all accounts, was it suicide by cop? Uh, says he ran over and I think killed, he killed eight people? Yeah, killed eight people. This is uh, in New York. And jumped out of the car with, uh, with phony guns, right, toy guns or pellet guns or whatever. And he didn't die, but they immediately have classified this as terrorism, right? So as a Muslim, I'm extremely sensitive to, and then as, 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 a, as, a, um, as, a, as a black man, I have what is called uh, black man paranoia, right? Which means that we're always looking at things, and I mean, I say that sort of tongue-in-cheek, uh, but we're always looking at things from a, you know, who's out to get me um, <laughs> type of, a, you know, a mind frame. But as a Muslim, I, I could not help but look at this thing and say, they have already determined that this was terrorism. But just not even a, a month ago, a little, bit, a little bit over a month ago, the largest domestic, well, should have been uh, classified as, a, uh, as domestic terrorism, but still has not been, uh, event that has ever taken place uh, on American soil by a, a middle-aged white man, killed 51 people? No, killed more than that. Uh, Stephen Paddock. But there were over 500 people that were injured. This fella let loose, you know, with, I think, I mean, multiple firearms. No mention of terrorism. No, this goes back to what uh, go, goes back to one of the things that Roland Martin mentioned in his in his commentary in his response. This idea of of, of white supremacy as an ideology, right? And what I love, I love that my uh, that my my white brothers and sisters who recognize that this is a pattern and this is uh, this is something that keeps us from having honest dialogue and from correcting systems and institutions that govern us all, 
I love that they are using their own platforms to stand up and, and put, put voice to this. And just that small distinction, the fact that they could immediately label this today's incident within hours as an act of terrorism, but the violence that took place in Las Vegas, I guess it was just a guy having a bad day. It, it was a guy who, who got lost or a guy who didn't take his medicine. I mean, whatever excuse you want to give. So, Will, you know, this, it falls into the importance of having voices that can, that can challenge the assertions that are being made, uh, that can push back and, and, and say, let's have, let's have some conversation. Let's, let's think about why we're accepting what is being told to us uh, and push back on what we're being told to think. Because what we have to remember is that most Americans, and we see this every day, and I had not seen it before, to be honest with you. I mean, I've had, I've had experiences with microaggressions and, like, hidden racism, right, as an African-American living in America, which is to be expected, right? But I have not experienced the level of, of outright bigotry and hatred, Radio Islam family, um, that I have experienced until I became the host of Radio, Radio Slime and uh, started to look at some of the things that are posted on our page. I had not experienced that until now. I mean, for over, you know, almost 45 years, I had not experienced a level of, of bigotry and, and hate that I have experienced in the last two months that I have, that I have witnessed and that, to me, is just absolutely crazy. I mean, it's absolutely crazy. Now, of course, what I have experienced has been more institutional. It's been systemic. Uh, there have been definitely, it has it had effects on my life. But the outright, uh, the, the vitriol uh, that, that people come with, their opinions are formed by improper representations. That's really what I'm getting to. Their opinions are being formed by news outlets that paint pictures of Muslims as uh, deceivers, that paint pictures of Muslims as, uh, as, as, as hardline uh, folks who are incapable of living in a pluralistic society when the reality could be no further from the truth. Anybody who has studied Islam knows that that is the, the hallmark, that is the light of Islam is that we go back to um, um, to Medina, to Yathrib, and the pluralistic society that existed under the leadership of Prophet Muhammad, وسلم, peace and prayers be upon him. So that's in our DNA, whether you know it or not, is this idea of respect, uh, of a respect for a pluralistic, for a diverse society. We actually function best in that type of a society where we can, where we can actually learn and, 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 uh, and cooperate and benefit from one another. Um, but going back to them, to the, to, to the hate, that hate is based on, uh, is based on ignorance, is based on, like I said, it's based on nonsense, you know, and they take, they take that nonsense very seriously. And some of it's actually kind of funny.
um, to say pork bacon or, you know, like that's, like that's kryptonite, that's, okay, all right, you know. Uh, and a lot of these responses have been around our dinner that's coming up on the 12th. So they're, they're posting things that just make absolutely no sense. Uh, but uh, Muslim family, uh, Radio Islam family, whether you're Muslim or not, uh, because we, we believe we, we are one family, um, we got to make sure that we are using our voices uh, and that we are not allowing any opportunity to go by to challenge uh, and correct uh, folks that, have, that hold these uh, ridiculous, uh, ridiculous ideals. Don't give them too much time, though, right? There's an old saying, uh, never argue with a fool because folks from a distance can't tell who is who. So that'll be that. Uh, one more thing you mentioned about the um, how part of these uh, ridiculous beliefs and these responses are shaped by media perceptions. Yeah. I would say that ties in pretty well to something that's going on in our dinner. <laughs> very nice, very nice. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, shall I? Or <laughs> uh, go ahead. Okay. So yes. Uh, so Dr. Jack Shaheen, he did he did some amazing work in debunking the stereotypes of of Arabs in the media, uh, in Hollywood, and we have an exhibit that um, his exhibit. It is the AFA Arab um, art exhibit, and that's going to be a part of our November twelfth Radio Slam dinner. So we urge you to come out and see. Uh, see this it's a it's a really uh, dynamic uh, exhibit and it'll show it'll show how you know just some of the uh, just some of the ways that the represent representation has morphed over the years this exhibit it is definitely worth coming out for uh, and and taking a look but look up Dr. Jack Shaheen so um, it's been uh, it's been great talking to you uh, Radio Islam family we are at the close of the night and we look forward to talking with you tomorrow. Tomorrow is What's Up Wednesday. If you got anything that's going on in the Chicagoland area, any community service projects or whatever, send us an email at producer at radioslam.com, producer at radioslam.com, or inbox us on Facebook. Our engineer at WCEV tonight has been Ramon. Thank you, sir. We appreciate your work over there. Engineer in studio, co-producer for the evening, and uh, chimed in as co-host, Ibrahim Baig. I am your producer as well. And your host, Tariq Alameen, executive producer is Abdul Malik Mujahid. Uh, please remember that the views expressed tonight are not those of Sound Vision, but those of the speakers themselves. I'm going to leave you as I greeted you all. Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you.